Good to go? Are we doing the nun story? Oh, God, but yeah, yes, we'll do the nun story. Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode... I was lying in the stroke ward and I was looking out across the other six guys that were there thinking this could have been a lot worse. So was it bad? Oh my God, yes. You know, carried to the toilet, couldn't walk. I've never, ever, ever been as scared in my life. Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. It is the Running With Jake podcast. We are back. I am your host, Jake Lowe, your running coach, your motivator. I will do everything in my power to get you feeling better. It is obviously a very difficult time of year. It is December. It is dark. It is cold. We are not going to let that stop us. We are in very high spirits this morning. (laughs) Welcome to the show. I'm sorry. We always do a video link-up, don't we? And initially, there was some kind of issue with Jake's um, with Jake's video where I couldn't see it. And so Jake said, look, I'll turn the video on when we start the show. So we've just started the show. And um, what, are, what are you... What is that? What is that evening wear? You have a, you have a handkerchief in the... In the top pocket. This whole thing? Yes. Yeah, just threw this on this morning. Nice little... Um, that's a pocket square, I think you'll be finding. Okay, nice. Nice little nice. Um, woven tie there, woven tie and a, and, a, mm. and a blazer. Sporting quite a nice brooch, I think you'll find, just on the uh, the left lapel there. Yeah, what's the brooch about? Mm-hmm. What's the what's the jacket about? What's look, um... I, look, I had a... I'll be honest with you, yes, I am Tigger normally bouncing around, motivating everybody, but I, I didn't have a great day yesterday. I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't have a great day, didn't have a great day. Oh. Martina, my girlfriend, was on call all weekend, loads of emergencies and stuff like that. Mm. And do you know what? Something I think a lot of people can relate to at the moment. Felt a little bit lonely yesterday. A little bit lonely. Oh, little bit. Man. I did. No, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. A little I want to give you a hug, man. I want to hug you now. Virtual hug. Just touch the screen. Touch the screen. Touch the screen. Not your nipple. Finger. Touch, no, touch. just the finger. Just the finger. And, you know, I just felt a bit frustrated yesterday. I'm not running, as I think a lot of people know. I have a bit of a calf strain on the right calf. So, and, and I deal with things pretty well. But yesterday I was like, man, I'm going stir crazy. I just, I need to get out of this house. You know that scene in Star Wars where they fall into the trash compactor and then the walls start closing in on them? Yes, I do. That was like me yesterday. I was like, these walls are getting smaller, this room. I'm shrinking. What's happening? What's happening? So I thought, do you know what? I'm going to start the day off in the right tone today. So blazer, tie, sir, and we're just going to, you know, get out the pyjamas. I'm not in my scruffy bottoms anymore. I'm just, you know... Feel good, sir. Feel good. So I'm up for it today. I'm up for it. We've got a great show lined up. It's good. I feel. You see, I feel like scum wearing this um, this this hoodie that I got for free. I really do. Uh, and I think we've all got comfortable clothes, don't we? Where we just go, or not comfortable clothes, but clothes that make us feel better. Um, like I have the cowboy hat just over there. So if I'm having a bad day, I put the cowboy hat on. Or, I mean, um, it's been known that we do dress up during during the recording yeah. of the podcast. Or, I think regular listeners of the show will know that. Or, Jacob, if you will bear with me one second, I'll show you my other um, piece of equipment or my other um, garment of clothing, which makes me feel better about myself and about the world. Just wait there, one sec. He's gone. Where's he gone? <laughs> Peter, I hope this is worth the wait. <laughs> <laughs> You see, if my friend, if my friend, I'm having a bad day and I need to just pat myself up a little bit, I'll put this on. It, you see, that has a nice silky inside uh, of red and rather a fine outside of black. It's heavy, it's quality. You see, I look like a distinguished gentleman. I've got yes. the, the, the 
The Blazer, the Pocket Square. I'm drinking tea with the tea bag draped outside. Did you nice. see that little piece of string hanging yes. down? Twinings, p- nice. Pinky finger there, pinky finger pointing up there. You, my friend, are in a cape. Why the hell are you wearing a cape? Because it's a superhero thing, isn't it? And sometimes, Jacob, when I want to feel extra special, what I'll do is I'll give the cape just a little flick. Listen. <laughs> you hear that? <laughs> How cool is that? <laughs> I mean, it's a good look. It's yeah, a good it's look. A good so look. S- stick around. We've got a great show lined up for you today. <laughs> We're clearly dressing up for the occasion. It's a very important show. I feel like something special is happening. Maybe it is Christmas around the corner. Uh, another special thing that we should be very happy about, uh, you know, I think particularly me have been banging on about this. You know, we don't get paid to do this. We do it because we love it. It does cost us money. It's nice to get paid for things uh, because that that way um, we can pay bills and stuff like that, which is always a, always a positive. Um, so I've been talking the last couple of episodes how you can support us on Patreon um, and to do that you can just go to the website runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast um, and there's a big banner there or you can go to patreon.com um, forward slash runningwithjake it's just a way of, of of putting in some cash if you enjoy the show um, then it's it's nice to, to show that you enjoy it by buying us a, a coffee or whatever anyway we've got our first person who's giving us money which is amazing how cool is that <laughs> Seriously? I still can't believe it. I, I, I secretly think that it is you. No! Because you had to talk me into this. I think you've set up another account no. under the name of Tanya. No, which, I haven't. I, I mean, you, you look like a Tanya, I guess. Thank you. And started donating money to us. But this is, yeah, we, we're actually, we've got money. I can't I know, believe this. I know, I know. It's, 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 really, it's really kind and it's really nice and it's, it's, it's lovely that Tanya is paying us to do this. That's, that's wonderful. Um, and if you'd like to do it, then um, just take Tanya's lead. Go for it. <laughs> That'll be nice. Because if you're not paying at the moment, um, the way it works is Tanya's paying your share. But anyway, the point is, you can now pay for the podcast. This is your weekly dose of running motivation. We have a stonking guest lined up on the show today that is really going to motivate and inspire you. I think you're going to love this, so stick around. We've got a great show lined up. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. So, Andy Dobinson had a successful sports background in the world of cycling, predominantly in the world of cycling, both on-road and mountain biking, competing in many crazy and challenging 24-hour events. Then in February of 2017, he'd just begun to get into running when he suffered a cryptogenic stroke. After a brutal and extensive recovery period, he is back and he's on the show now to share his story. Andy, it's great to talk to you i really appreciate you coming on yeah thank you very much for having me on it's uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be able to tell my little story i mean i know we've had a little bit of back and forth on the messages and you're really passionate about getting the story out there and really showing other people helping to inspire other people i guess about what is possible and and you know it's a story of challenge isn't it and and not giving up and and the light at the end of the tunnel i just would love for you to take us back to the the beginning really if that's all right andy and first of all what is a cryptogenic stroke what is that <laughs> so some would say it's a bit of a cop out from the doctor because a cryptogenic stroke means we have no idea what happened so um the, the a cryptogenic stroke is when there's no history there's no lead up there's no signs and there's absolutely no rhyme or reason why you have a huge clot 
visit your brain and kill off part of it. So that's essentially what a cryptogenic stroke is. And it, it's probably it's probably the worst kind to have because you don't know why it happened. And I love things to be in boxes. I need things in boxes. And this is just an open box. It always will be. I've got no idea why it happened. So... That's a cryptogenic stroke. <laughs> do you know, I really, I really get that because we do. We, we want to know why, don't we? For m- so many yeah, things absolutely. in life, we're curious as, as as people, as humans. And can you remember that? If it's okay to go there with you, Andy, can can you remember that that day? Can you? Oh my goodness! Yeah, I, it, it's it's burnt into my brain. I remember it vividly, and that's the strange thing because people have this idea of a stroke. Um, but throughout my stroke until I fell asleep, I, I was completely aware of what was happening. So it was um, February 2017 and I was sitting right here because I work from home and I was on a conference call um, at quarter to five in the afternoon and I had this earpiece in, this little earpiece, which I blamed everything on. So I was on a conference call. And literally, just instantly, it was as if someone had lit a blowtorch up the back of my head and just pressed all the pins of the world into the back of my head and instantly beads of sweat appeared and, like, dripped onto the desk. And I thought, oh, what what's happening? Not scared, not concerned, just thought, this is a bit weird. So I put myself on mute because I thought, well, I can't just dial off. I'm on a conference call and it'd be quite rude to dial off. And... Um, you know, I, st- I went to the old Google and I thought, right, OK, I'm going to Google dizziness and leaning to the left because I started being a bit like, oh, this is a bit strange. And it came up with um, peripheral vertigo caused by an ear infection. So I thought, right, that's it. That earpiece has given me an ear infection and I've got peripheral vertigo. So did you get did you get through the call, Andy? Did you actually get through the the, the well, conference? Well, I, I was I was still on the call, so I thought, right, okay, I'll keep myself on mute, and I'll go to the fix everything cupboard in the kitchen downstairs and get some neurofen yeah. because my office is upstairs. So I stood up and I and I had to hold onto my desk, and I was like, oh, right, okay, this is this is a bit odd. This vertigo is a bit a bit funky. Um, so I walked across the passageway down the stairs, and I was holding onto the kitchen island. I talked to Neurofen and I thought, right, this is this is quite strange. Not scared yet. Turned round and by the time I got to the bottom of the stairs, I, I couldn't walk. So I, I, I sort of climbed up the stairs, still on the call, climbed up the stairs, starting to think, hmm, some, something's going on here. It still was on mute. Luckily, by the time I got to the top of the stairs, the call had finished. So I took my earpiece and just threw it into my office and thought, Damn, earpiece has given me an ear infection. So I walked along to the bedroom and I was sort of leaning against the wall because um, I, I couldn't really stand up. And I laid down and I rang my wife and I thought, I says, Nick, I, I, I don't feel too good. I've, I've, I think I've got a really bad migraine. And she went, oh, you don't get migraines. You've been training too hard. I'm off to my fitness class. Just lie down. I'll be back later. I thought, right, OK, I've probably trained too hard. And luckily, luckily, I drifted off to sleep. I felt drunk. I felt like I'd had one of those massive dentist injections because my face started to feel quite heavy. I started to get scared and thought, right, I don't know what's happening here. And luckily, I drifted off to sleep. Now, I've heard that 
anyone who has a stroke should lie down because that helps initial recovery. I didn't know that at the time. So anyway, I, I was I was kind of drifting in and out of consciousness, um, starting to feel quite um, <laughs> quite concerned and a bit scared. And the next thing I remember is the door opened and I heard my wife go, Andy, Andy, where are you? And I went, I- I'm upstairs, or I-, I think I said that. And my wife came upstairs and opened the door and she just, apparently she went, oh my God. And she flicked the light on. And I looked at the light and I didn't react at all. So she went, right, that's not a migraine. Luckily, luckily, she'd seen that FAST acronym on Facebook um, so she went, right, okay, swing your legs across. And I, I had to kind of lift my legs to swing them across the bed. And she went, right, raise your arms. And I, and I sort of raised my arms. And I, this eye was starting to get, no, this eye was starting to get quite heavy. And it still is to this day. And she went, say chicken soup. And I had what was called sticky mouth, where I couldn't really speak properly. And she went, right, Andy, we need to get some help here. I'm going to ring 999. And I went, no, 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 don't ring 999. I don't want to be a bother. Just ring 111. We'll get some advice. So I remember my wife onto 111 and um, they said, we need to get an ambulance there quick. And luckily there was a crew quite close. So blue lights to the house. And these two big burly um, ambulance guys came in and hooked me up to all sorts. And they said, um, whatever they put on me, they went, it's not the worst, (laughs) but it's not the best. (laughs) Blimey, blimey. I went, went, right. He says, I think we need to get you in. It says, right, come on, and, and I, I couldn't walk. So I was, I was, I had one guy on each side, and they dragged me out the house because my feet were just dead, my legs were dead, and I vaguely remember being blue lighted to hospital. And I, I think the guy said, "We have a suspected stroke victim in the in the in the ambulance." You heard him say this. I registered all of this because they were putting things in my arms and on my chest, and I remember him vividly going, "I think we've got a stroke victim." So then you go into A&E and there's this team of people just looking down on you. And uh, I was in, in, uh, in A&E and, um, and they started doing all kinds of tests and they couldn't work out what it was. They thought it was chronic fatigue because my wife had explained how much I trained and, you know, did I train too much? Possibly, don't know. Um, so these tests went on till three, four in the morning. I was given morphine, which was apparently a comedy gold because I just went a bit nuts on the morphine. My wife was saying, like getting up out the bed, going, "Whoa, this is fantastic!" <laughs> um, so then I was taken to the critical illness unit and put in there for the night. And I've never, ever, ever been as sick and as scared in my life. And I was kind of lying there in this stupor all night, thinking what the hell still didn't know what had happened so then the real test started in the morning the first one was a lumbar puncture where they put a big needle in the base of your spine and draw off fluid so again I remember them going right okay we've done the lumbar puncture just lie there and stay still and I was like where the hell am I going to go I can't walk which I thought was quite funny at the time so then MRI scans and bloods and all kinds of stuff and it wasn't until five o'clock on that afternoon they did a CTI, a CT scan on me, which apparently shows different things in your brain. And uh, I was wheeled back to the critical illness unit, just horrendously scared at this point. And this little junior doctor trotted in and went, Mr. Dobinson. I went, yeah. She went, right, okay, so you've had a stroke. <laughs> like, just, you've had a stroke. I'm like, what? So I said, right, d- do me a favour, 
you know, with this sticky mouth voice I had, get my wife here. And as she walked in, I just, I just broke down and said, I've had a stroke, my life's done. And that was kind of the start of the journey. So um, I was then wheeled up to the stroke unit in amongst people like me, older. I was the youngest in there and, oh, I, I can smirk about it now, but at the time, oh my God, it was it was just horrendous. How old are you, Andy, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 46 now and I was 42 when it happened. Wow, so 42. Quite, yeah. quite young. Yeah, yeah. Not one of the youngest, but but very young in the ground. When you think about who has strokes, 42-year-old fit non-drinkers and non-smokers don't have strokes. But... I did. I'm 42. I mean, sat here now talking to you on, on Zoom as we record this. I can't even comprehend how that must have felt. Are you generally a positive person? Do You You didn't instantly go to a, a, a really bad place, it sounds like. You know, when it first happened, it didn't sound like it was a panic. It was panic stations. It sounded like it was, a, right, let's Google this. Maybe I need some you know, medicine, paracetamols. I'll just have a lie yeah. down. It was only as you went further down this avenue and the sort of medics flying around that you realise the severity of it. Are you somebody that is typically glasses half full? How would you describe yourself? I'm actually not. I don't think so... I was quite anxious before the stroke and I'm, I'm like, oh my God, what if, what if, what if? And I don't know what happened, but on the Saturday morning, I was lying in this stroke road, just kind of looking round me, thinking, what am I going to do? I, I kind of thought to myself, you've got two choices, Andy. You can either let this consume you and define you and feel sorry for yourself which I've never done, or I thought you can get on with this and tackle it. And I thought there actually is only one choice because I, I don't want to think about what the alternative could be. So there is only one choice. I don't know what that's going to look like and I don't know how hard it's going to be. And if I'd known how hard it was going to be, oof, I, I, I don't quite know if I'd just come, I would have come to that decision. But I thought y you're just going to have to get on with this. And one thing that helped me, Jake, was, do you know... I was lying in the stroke ward and I was looking out across the other six guys that were there thinking this could have been a lot worse. So was it bad? Oh my God, yes. You know, carried to the toilet, couldn't walk, vicious, vicious headaches, which I still get. I've got to really manage my headaches. I mean, this morning I'm back on paracetamol. I just kind of got to manage it with paracetamol. Just one of those things. But I thought I'm not as bad as him. I'm not as bad as him. I'm probably a, like a bit a bit like him and I thought do you know what Andy you've 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 come out with this all right people must be listening to this thinking okay you suffer something horrendous such as a, a cryptogenic stroke which is awful it's awful for everybody but your level yeah. of of activity the 24-hour bike rides I mean you know let's be honest I, I tweaked <laughs> my calf on Sunday Andy I tweaked my calf I'm having a week <laughs> off training it's breaking me man I mean, how did you process and deal with this? You know, going from being so fit and active oh. and well to lying there. That that was that was a real mind bender because pre-stroke, I was um, you know an endurance cyclist where I would think nothing of jumping on the bike and you know riding to my mother's in Northumberland, so 125 mile there, 125 mile back. <laughs> Many 24-hour events, um, mountain bike 24-hour events. You know, I, I run a cycle club. I founded a cycle club in 2011 and I was out doing 50, 60, 70, 100 miles of them all the time. Then, 
you're lying in this bed and going, nurse, can you take me to the toilet, please? And I remember my good friend Ray came in and saw me and um, I needed the loo when he was there. And bless him, he's a big softy. As I was carried to the loo and shuffled across the ward, he burst into tears for me. And that's when it hit me. To th- I was thinking, Oof, right, OK, th- th- this must be quite tough to see. And then I was thinking, right, that's, that's my life over. Monday morning, the, the, the um, occupational therapists come in and put a knife, a fork and, a, and a, a, a hairbrush in front of you, saying, right, OK, show me that you can feed yourself. And then later in the week, they help you to this set of steps and go, right, OK, can you climb up one step and down one step? I could, but then I slept for the rest of the day. I was knackered, absolutely knackered. And that, that to process that is, is, is huge, absolutely huge. And I, I kind of knew what I wanted to do and I wanted to get back to doing stuff, but I, I didn't quite know how to do that. At that point, Andy, um, what, were the, what were the doctors saying about you and, um, and your potential future and what you could do and couldn't do? Did they, at that point, give you any kind of, you know, prognosis or anything? They didn't because what, what, one thing they did say and one thing I've got to live with is... I prob- I'm, I'm more likely not to have one than have one. Mm. So I'm on, I'm on medication morning and night for the rest of my life. Um, I'm on the radar. But th- what the prognosis was, we don't know what the prognosis is. So right. it, it was kind of up to me to kind of roll with it. Mm. Was this your first major health concern? Were you fit and well before this? Did you, did you experience anything like this at all in, on any level? No, I hadn't. No, I hadn't. But do you know what? Pre-stroke, I was fit, but I don't think I was healthy. Now, I'm healthy, and on the back of that, I'm fit. They're two different things. Tell me more about that. So, pre-stroke, I was fit. I I chased wattage numbers, times, you know, just levels of performance. I was was a mid-pack cyclist, you know, okay, I was 10th in Scotland on on the time trial bar. So I was I was I was a reasonably good time trial, a fifty mile and hundred mile time trial. I can see the stack of medals behind oh. you on the wall there. They're, they're, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, yeah, they yeah. hang nicely, positioned quite strategically. Yeah, absolutely, good um, man. So they should be. I'm so not a winning guy. It's unbelievable. I genuinely thought they were books. I genuinely <laughs> did. I'm not even joking. <laughs> this is all po- this is all post stroke. Right. So wow, I come onto wow. this, but this is all post stroke. Wow. Um, yeah, so I was I was fit, but I would... Um, did I fuel properly? Probably not. Did I rest properly? Probably not. Now I eat, I rest, I drink, I train sensibly. So I'm a much more healthy person. Am I as fit as I was? Probably not. But I'll forgo that to have a, a more healthy, um, sustainable lifestyle. I don't think what I was doing before was sustainable. So it's almost like when you chase mm. performance, and I think a lot of people listening to this can relate to this, whatever performance means to them, whatever that translates into in terms of finish time or distance or whatever, it's almost to having yeah. a holistic approach to your training. It sounds like you've really got that dialed you're dialed into that now is that is that right you know you talk about hydration and all the various elements i'm better but i still have this so i've I've been carrying a few injuries lately hip then ankle then then pelvis was all out of line and i've still got this um oh my god i haven't trained for two days i'm going to be back to square one mindset but that's kind of it, it takes a long time to change and adapt but i'm 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 slowly learning that and my wife keeps saying 
uh, this, oh, you rested and you ran better. That's a funny coincidence, isn't it? Um, but I'm learning that if I rest and fuel and eat, I actually perform better. But pre, I would be on the, I would be on the Turbo Monday, Turbo Tuesday, Club Ride Wednesday, might have had a day off Thursday, Turbo Friday, Long Ride Sunday, Long Ride, uh, long ride Saturday, Long Ride Sunday. That's not sustainable. And it's not as if I was a top-level performer. I was a club rider that was doing okay at TTs. I was probably obsessed, and it's taken me a long time to admit that, but I was probably obsessed. You know, example was Saturday night, we'd be invited round to some friend's house, and I would go, oh, you know, I'm not sure we can go. I've got a big ride to do tomorrow. Where now, if we're invited out, do you know what? Let's go for it. If I run tomorrow, I run. If I don't, doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. And I've got a completely different attitude to what I do now. So a great example was I've just, in September, I did the lap 47 mile ultra marathon, which was huge for me. To run 47 miles after a stroke is huge. I mean, that's just, uh, that's, uh, I can't get my head around that, Andy. Sorry, mm. this, this is Windermere, right? Is this the lap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you run round Lake Windermere. It's awesome. Brilliant. I mean, he sounds it. <laughs> Look, he's buzzing. I can see but him. He's buzzing. I, I, have a, I have a completely different approach to what I do now. I, I don't care if I'm last. I don't care. I run for the adventure, for the journey, for the experience, for the photographs, for the feed stations. And I don't care who passes me. I don't care. I find it healthy. I find it healthy. It's funny how things can change us and, and significantly. I, say, I guess the bigger the event, the more it affects us, the more it shapes us, the bigger the change, which we can clearly see from mm. what you're saying now, you know, chasing the times and the numbers and all those kinds of things. It sounds like there's been many changes to your training. Before we get into kind of like the running stuff, and I know you've got some lofty targets as well that, that, that are perhaps not about winning, <laughs> but the involvement and just being there and taking those yep. photos... I want to hear about the recovery process, Andy, because, you know, talking to you now, we've only exchanged a couple of messages. We've never spoken to you on a, on a video call like this. It, when, when, we, when I get into your story, it sounds like we're talking about something that was so long ago. And in the grand scheme of things, this is like, what, three, three and a half years ago? And you've got yeah, this collection yeah, 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 of medals yeah. behind you that are all post-stroke, which I still can't get my head around. Yeah. Did you think that this is it? I'm never going to be able to kind of get back out there and cycle or, or run. Did, did Or was that not even in your mind? And then what, how did you start that whole recovery process? I mean, I just can't even imagine. I had the support of the NHS, which, my, my goodness, the, the, the just beyond awesome, right? So after just over a week of intensive physiotherapy and occupational therapists and all kinds of stuff in hospital, I, w I, was, I was sent home, which was scary. We had the banister strengthened in case I took a header over the stairs and, you know, aids put in the house and all kinds of stuff. And, and it, you know, if it wasn't for my wife, I'd be a, I'd be a quivering wreck because, you know, everyone goes, um, how are you doing as the stroke sufferer? Well, hang on a minute. My wife's involved in this. No one really acknowledges enough about the support network you've got so you're sent home and then you have a physiotherapist so I, I made the decision that maybe I can get back to doing something and by default I fell into a phase one and phase two recovery which I'll explain the physiotherapist comes and I've got to, I'm lucky enough to have a treadmill and a, tur a turbo trainer set up in the garage and under supervision I was allowed to walk about two minutes I think it was in the treadmill 
and then cycle for a minute and take an off. Right, that that's all you can do today. And you, you've done twenty-four hour bike rides. So let's just put yeah. this in perspective. That, that's all I was allowed, but that's all I could manage because I was heavy-footed. I was slapping my feet. I was really quite struggling. I was still walking with a stick. By default, you kind of think if I stick at this, may, maybe I can, maybe I can do something again. What was a hindrance to that? <laughs> hindrance. Maybe that's not the right word to use. A week after I got home, I took a call from my mum. And my dad had um, acute myeloid leukemia and it was terminal. So I don't know what happened, but it's as if my body and mind allowed me to recover enough to go down and see my dad because this was February. My dad passed away with me holding his hand and my my, my sister and my mum by his side, which is brutal, on the 25th of May. So you're processing a stroke and you're processing your dad's death who you've just watched. You just watched it and it's like, oh my God. By about the start of May, I was capable of going down to visit him. Wobbly, not really in balance, and but it's as if my mind and body allowed me. And all this time I was getting in physiotherapy visits to the house. And, you know, during that time, I was spending hours and hours and hours in the bottom bedroom, chucking a tennis ball between two hands to, to try and get my balance and standing on one leg. The amount of times I've fallen into the wall is just comical. Hours of recuperation, hours and hours. But then when my dad passed, I thought, you know what, I want to carry his coffin. I want to carry his coffin. And the day before his funeral, I went for what I describe as a run. It was kind of a plod. And I took a turn and I thought, oh my God, I'm having another stroke. And by the time I got back to my mum's house, I was limping and I was I was holding onto the garden fence thinking, oh, I'm a sh- sugar. I didn't use that word, you can, as you can imagine. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I managed the next day to carry his coffin, right, which I'm hugely, hugely privileged to be able to do. I kind of took a turn and I thought, I, 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 can't, I can't do this. And I remember um, I'd been put in touch with a counsellor and I remember my wife said, you need to, you need to ring the counsellor, you need to ring the counsellor. And I rang her and I've never asked for help ever. I just, I'm just not that kind of guy. And I burst into tears and I said to the counsellor, I need help. And that was kind of the phase two recovery. So phase one was me thinking, maybe I can get back to doing an event. Maybe I can pin a number on. Maybe I can be competitive. Phase two was, I just want to get better. And that was right back to, it's as if my body went, I'm taking you back to square one. And it was back to physiotherapy at the hospital, hydrotherapy in a pool at the hospital every week. A counsellor, which is beyond deep when you start and get counselling. And depression tablets. But in my mind, I wouldn't take a depression tablet. But as soon as my wife said, they're anti-anxiety tablets, I was like, oh, I'll have them. Give me, give me the anti-anxiety tablets, but I won't have depression tablets. And I was on them for 18 months. And it was the best thing I did because it took the edge off things. It just allowed me to process what had happened and concentrate on getting better. But, you know, I, I describe this, that if, if you're doing a big event and you, we've all been there, you know, you, you're, you're a really dark place, you've got wet feet, you're cold, you're hungry. Those dark places are like absolute sunshine when you compare it to the dark place of stroke recovery. It was horrendous. Nobody explains how dark and just brutally tough recovering and processing 
you know, you're you're on you're on what are depression tablets. Nobody nobody explains what it's like coming off those. I was a monster coming off those, an absolute monster, and it takes weeks to come off them when you're on the dose I was on. And my wife said I was just horrible. And you know what? In reflection, I was. I was a horrible person. And it's not until now you can think, oh my god, I was just a bit. I was just a bit awful. But it's all part of what you need to go through. And I assume you're not on not on the medication or on the. No, no. I'm, all I'm on now is you know what a, what a typical stroke strokes that I would be on. So blood thinners. Um, blood pressure and statins, but that's just standard for a stroke survivor. And what do you do to manage manage your mind, Andy? You, you sound like you've got this real awareness of the importance of managing the mind, and you, clearly you don't want to go back to a, a, a dark place of any of any kind. Do, do you kind of... Is this on your mind to try and look after yourself? We spoke about the holistic approach to training. It, it's a weird one, because every time you go downstairs, you're reminded you've had a stroke when you open those boxes of tablets every morning. I take another tablet just before I go to sleep. So it's kind of a constant reminder. What I've found, though, is um, my running. I, I process I'm a thinker. I'm an anxious thinker. I've got lots of mental processes. But when I'm running, it just kind of falls into place. And I'm lucky enough to live in a place where within two minutes, I'm running in the woods down by the river. And I sometimes stop and just stop and watch, process, and... It's, this sounds quite um, thankful for where I am, and I can. It's taken me a long time to admit this. It's it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. My stroke is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm a more rounded human being now. I don't know what path I was going on pre-stroke, right? I don't know where I would end up. Might have been somewhere really good. I don't know, but it doesn't really matter because I'm not there. But where I am now, I'm I'm actually quite grateful for. And what, what I'm able to do and who I am, do you know what? I'll take that every day of the week. But I've got to be very conscious of putting things in boxes. You know, I've got a really good one and, and it's taken me a long time. Do you know when you watch a diver in a cave and you've got clear water and salty water and there's kind of this line of whether the two types of water don't mix? During my depths of the stroke, I was swimming in that salty, murky, deep water all the time. Most of the time now, I'm in this lovely, clear, crisp, water and occasionally dip to the awful salty stuff and I've got to be really conscious of that and these are all the things that go on in my mind it's quite a busy place my mind <laughs> that's I, I really appreciate you painting the picture it's uh it's it's really interesting you use that analogy actually because one of the things I was really interested to know is we all need reality checks in our life I believe because it just yeah. puts things in perspective it's perspective isn't it that that reality check yeah. brings if I look at how I could have been, then that is a massive reality check. So I've 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 witnessed other stroke survivors and I've witnessed what it's done to them. And that is a huge reality check for me. I've witnessed what other illnesses can do. And do you know what? I'm doing all right. I'm I'm grand, thanks very much. And I'm thankful for how lucky I've got away with this. So Andy, that leads me nicely on to the future for you. I understand it's looking pretty rosy. You've obviously got a really nice attitude with in terms of events and what you're focused on and what matters to you. What have you got coming up? What's happening in 2021? Got a few things on the go. Um I've got a lovely little half trail marathon in January called the Winter Wipeout. Now that's in that's in the Cheviots. 
because um, I used to live in Woola and the Cheviots were my playground. We then do my, my running club, which I founded last year as well, called Glasgow Green Running Club, um, do the Glentress Half Trail Marathon. So there's about, I don't know, about seven or eight of us did it last year. I'm then off to Chamonix for a week, trail running in June. I was supposed to go last year. I cannot wait. Never been to Chamonix. Can't wait. Then I've got one of my favourite events is the Lakeland 55. Oh my so gosh. I did that. Yeah, yeah, I did that two years ago and it's it was comedy gold. So at that <laughs> point, it was the longest run I've ever done. And when I say run, I mean, it took me... 11 hours 12 hours probably twice as long as the winner I'm fine with that but I remember at 55 kilometers I said to one of the the um marshals are, are we near the finish and he burst out laughing he went you've never done this event before have you um I've then got uh the ring of steel up in Kinloch Leven and my big focus is lakes in a day in October so uh, a 50 miler top of the lakes to the bottom so that's my 2021 there's people listening to this show going hang on stop he's going too fast I need to write these events down I need to sign <laughs> up for these events so it's, it, do you know what it's great whenever I speak to somebody which is often on this show that's that's super passionate about their training and, and running in particular suddenly just come alive when you're asking them about their events and beaming ear to ear it's fantastic Andy if people want to keep up to date with what you are up to and be inspired more about your story where can they connect with you where can they find you so i've got a i've got an instagram page um which i'm kind of posting the good the bad the ugly the great the the muddy shoes everything everything so it's, it's keep it mouth. real man keep it real exactly exactly um it is andy underscore stroke underscore of underscore look it's the only one that was left so i had to take it <laughs> it, it should read andy stroke of luck but there's little underscores so yeah follow follow me on instagram and um see what i'm up to it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you andy i, I could literally chat to you all day and I, I love the off-road and the trails like yourself in fact many of the guests that we have on the podcast are starting to inspire me we've had damien hall on the show recently doing crazy stuff as i'm sure oh, you know brilliant. he's inspiring me people like you and him to to start looking and registering for different events we may cross paths at some point in one of these bonkers events and i'd love to Hope do that so yeah that would be great we'll have a quick uh, selfie great. and it might not even have to be socially distanced at that point who knows who knows i hope so i hope so andy it's been great so. talking to you keep spreading your story man because i'm sure you're going to touch reach influence effect inspire lots and lots of people you've shown that obviously the road to recovery can be tough harsh brutal but it's absolutely worth it thank you so much for sharing the story today i, I can't thank you enough for having me on it's been really it's, it's been really good thank you very much running with jake the podcast your weekly dose of running motivation out every wednesday never miss an episode by subscribing now it's time to take another one of your questions. It is hashtag AskJake. Uh, Mike wants to know how best to structure your training when you have a sports massage. He has regular massage and he wants to know how best to juggle his training around that. Well, the same goes really for a sports massage, physiotherapist, if you see a chiropractor, an osteopath, basically any sort of treatment where it's pretty hands-on. So the nature of sports massage is quite a deep massage. There can be some soreness there. So I suggest 
any sessions that you have that's of some sort of quality, so maybe some interval training, some hill work, something like that, doing that the day before or even the day of your massage, I think is okay, as long as obviously the massage is afterwards. So do anything that you want pretty much before your sports massage, but I would suggest that afterwards, that's where you really need to plan carefully. So the day after, if you are particularly sore, Mike, let's say you're not that used to sports massage, if it's relatively a new thing to you, then it's it's definitely worth making some adjustments by either having the day off completely or if you do feel okay to do so just do a very very easy recovery run and sometimes just a good brisk walk will be enough to get the legs feeling better and help you to recover from the sports massage i hope that helps if you've got a question don't forget it's hashtag ask jake and of course you can drop me an email it's podcast at runningwithjake.com that's it for another episode of the Running With Jake podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to make sure you never miss an episode. All you need to do is check out the mobile app on your phone that you use to listen to the show and just hit subscribe. And if you do have five minutes, then please leave us a review and rate the show. We would greatly appreciate that. Have a great week of running just over a week until the fat man slides down your chimney and gives you lots of presents, no doubt plenty of running gifts. Have a great week. Speak to you all very soon. Oh! And one more thing. Whenever you are about to do something, ask yourself, would an idiot do this? And if they would, do it. I mean, don't do it. Don't be an idiot. Don't be an idiot.